Hello, welcome to an unexpected podcast. Um, yet, a, yet another episode of an unexpected podcast. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm here in Boston. Um, with me are Evan, who is also back in Boston. He's returned from Ireland for uh, for Christmas break, so he's back here at home. We've got Rainier, who's in the Netherlands, and uh, Alisher, who is uh, in an undisclosed, blurry location. Are you in? Uh, he's still in Pennsylvania, Alisher. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, I thought you might be keeping the world safe for democracy, but really that to Mick, who is, um, he's in the pool right now with his yeah. drink. Yeah. yeah. And he, he cleverly has, because he's in Kabul in order to maintain his secret identity has his body double currently playing in, um, the GBHL league finale right now. Um, and it's his body double that explains his performance there, which perhaps we'll discuss on another podcast. <laughs> um he's fighting he's fighting he's fighting he's gonna get in that top half (laughs) he is indeed um yeah a lot of people fight but not many people survive i I mean kudos kudos to to mix body double but you know these are the sacrifices he needs to make in in order to keep the world safe and Mick, thank you for your service uh okay so what we're gonna do today this is this is gonna be another second part of a two-part episode in the first uh, episode, which will have come out, and hopefully you will have heard before we get to this one, uh, we discussed um, tips and tricks for trying to counter and beat the, the pits of Dolgoldor Legendary Legion. And in that episode, Evan, uh, who probably has the most experience with that Legion amongst us, uh, built a 650-point pits of Dolgoldor Legion. Uh, three of us, in fact, I think it was the same three of us who are on this call right now, although I think Rainier's list was being um, explained by Devin, uh, came up with with alternates, and then we all voted to see uh, who created the best counter of the Pits of Dolgoldor, and I think I won that one. Um, and I came up with the, a list from the Return of the King Legendary Legion. So now on part two, what we're going to do is we're going to fight it out on a Maple Leaf board, and what we've done is we've had Mixed body double from over at the GBHL finale send us a bunch of maps that are being used from the at the GBHL finale. Alisher has picked one. He has kept it close to his chest. Neither Evan nor I have seen it. And when we get going, he's going to present our board. Evan and I are going to present our list. Actually, we'll probably flip that, and then I will present our lists first. Then Alisher will present a board. Uh, and then we will we will go ahead and uh, roll for a scenario using the veto system. Talk through how and why we would select our various veto opportunities. Uh, Evan, do you have a do you have a die there to use for this? We do have a die here. All right, we have a die here. All right, so we're good. Um, and then we're going to go through and we're going to you know kind of talk how this would unfold. And then we're going to have a vote at the end where Alisher and Rainier will decide um, or perhaps split as to how they think it would have come out. Um, and then after we do that, we are going to go through a list. Um, and we're going to do a list from at THGS Mask, who has a interesting um, list with the Great Beast of Gorgoroth. So we're going to go through that and give our thoughts and comments on that. So with all that said... I think the first thing to do is discuss the lists. And since this is an episode on the pits of Dolgoldor, Evan, why don't you start 
and just recap what was in your pits of Dogal door list from last time, your 650 point list. All right. So for those of you who have watched the previous episode, um, this list has exactly the same models in it, but the warbands are configured a little bit differently. Um, so it shouldn't be that much different from the uh, from the original one. So it's Azog on the warg, um, one fell warg, four guns gundabads with spears and shields, one gundabad with spear, shield, and banner, six hunter orcs, uh, hunter orc captain with a fell warg, six gundabads with spears and shields, five hunter orcs, and then another hunter orc captain with a fell warg, five gundabad orcs with spears and shields, and six hunter orcs. So all in all, 17 hunter orcs, uh, three fell wargs, two hunter orc captains, um, and all in all, 16 Gundabad orcs with spears and shields, one of which has a banner in there. Um, so 39 models in total, 10 months. All righty. So uh, countering this, I have a 650-point list from the Legendary Legion, The Return of the King. So because this is the Return of the King Legendary Legion, I must, in fact, have the Returning King, and I do. It's Aragorn Strider. He comes with his free sword Andoral um, with its uh, four-up automatic wound advantage, which in this game probably isn't going to make that big a difference um, unless he's in contact um, well, I guess it's going to matter if he gets in contact with good to bad orcs or if uh, he gets in contact with Azog. It's not going to matter terribly much against um, uh, against the hunter orcs. Uh, in his warband, he has one rider of the dead. He has five warriors of the dead with shield. And he has six warriors of the dead with uh, spear and shield. And warband two has, as it must, the king of the dead. And the King of the Dead brings with him his 12-inch uh, Harbinger of Evil, which is going to come in handy a lot in this uh, game, um, and his ability just to stab people to, to death with his uh, um, brain-soul ability. Uh, he has with him in his warband five uh, Warriors of the Dead with shield, six Warriors of the Dead with spear and shield, um, so, uh, um, and then one rider of the dead. And so basically this is a, this is a 12 wide warband of, um, of dead with spears behind and, uh, um, swords in front, a couple of riders of the dead and Aragorn and, uh, the king along to do some killing. So that's the list. So with those two uh, lists described, Alisher, why don't you show us where we're going to fight today? All right. Let's see if I can do this. Share. All right. Can you see? I can see. All right. Let me see. I can also draw, as it seems. I think this left, or, yeah, left side is how it is vertically, and then this is it on the side. All right. So um, I think, all right, so let, let's pick one of these to use. We, we can, if we need to flash back to the other picture, 
uh, we can. We did we did get some some listener comments after the last episode asking for two perspectives on the board. So we have two perspectives on the board here. Um, but uh, let's 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 pick one of these to use as um, uh, use as our battlefield. And if we need to switch back to the other to get a different perspective on the board, we can. Otherwise, I think I'm going to get really confused. All right, let's do the one on the left. All right, one on the left it is. So that's going to be looking, I, th I, I think, from the perspective of uh, one, what's going to be one person's side of the board going toward the person on the other side, side of the board. And I think that's that looks pretty reasonable here. Um, okay, so for those following along um, on the audio version of this and not looking at the board, uh, what we have is... Uh, I mean, I don't want to say it's a standard board, but there's, you know, there, there's nothing on this, there's nothing on this board that I think would be kind of out, out of, uh, there's nothing on this board that's particularly unusual. Let's put it that way. So there are four it's buildings. A very British board. Yes, this is a British board. Mm -hmm. um, there are four buildings, which for some reason don't have roofs. Um, and it looks like you can kind of run through them. They have doors. Uh, they're kind of four, four smallish buildings. Um, there are two on, uh, basically two on either side of, you know, on, on each player's side of the board. One very close to the center, another behind it. And then there's two kind of off to the left as we're viewing it on the far edge of the board. There are um, one, two, three sets of hedgerows that are, look to be probably about eight inches long um and very scattered in various places uh throughout the board and you know if we end up fighting near them we'll let you know um but uh they are these are typical british hedgerows in that they go nowhere and stop for no readily apparent reason um i'm always i'm always puzzled by this on boards how why people have um fences walls and hedgerows that uh are, you know just kind of like randomly exist with um completely open sides so that my assumption is that the the livestock are just really stupid so that when they see a section of the hedgerow they just immediately think that the rest of it is also blocked off despite it not being that and they that, just that like must be stay the case. in yes yeah um that you know a, a cow will just wander along until it hits a hedgerow and says oh that's a hedgerow and stop without looking to either its left or right to see whether it can actually go around those hedgerows but um, but those are the hedgerow issues. Um, there are also, um, there's also three, uh, patches of stuff that I guess we will call woods or difficult terrain. Ev, do you, you know, that seem reasonable in, in three different corners woods to me? Yep. Um, and they're, they're basically over in, they're, they're in corners. I'm not sure how much, if any, uh, impact they're going to have on the game. Um, and then, uh, there are a couple of just random, trees that I think we're just going to say are random trees. Uh, and then there is a kind of a, a hill terrain piece that has a couple of pieces of rocks on it that, I don't know, Evan, is, that looks like open ground to me with the exception of the rocks themselves. Does that seem right to you? Yep. All right. Mm -hmm. So so that's the terrain. Um, and I think we will uh i think the the next stage is we will need to roll and see which scenario we are going to play and we're going to use the veto system so we're going to um 
roll for a uh, roll for a category here and then decide which amongst the categories we're going to choose just so we can kind of talk through that process. And for those out there who use the veto system, you can get a sense of how it works and the thought process that goes through it. So Ev, if you have a die, why don't you roll it and see if cool will play. I do have a die. I have rolled a six. A six. So we, we're playing unique scenarios. So our options are Fog of War, Clash by Moonlight, uh, and Assassination. Um, so, uh, remind me, Evan, how many bows do you have? Zero. Zero bows. Interesting. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, all right. So, I think then um, we need to then roll to see who picks or who, who excludes a scenario first. And... I believe we do this in the high roll pick second. Is that how the established mm -hmm. process is? And I think somebody pointed out that this is nowhere specified in the rules, but I, I think this must have been in somebody's tournament pack in that it has kind of gotten into our collective subconscious. That's yeah, how it's, it. it's, I mean, it literally does not matter. So it does not. It, as well, as, as long as you know in advance which one you're doing, but. <laughs> um. All right, so I think for purposes of this, whoever rolls uh, high is going to pick second. I rolled a five. See if you can top me. I I rolled a one, so no. You rolled a one. All right, so Evan, why don't you talk about which one you want to exclude and talk about your thought process? All right, so there's what? Fog of War. Fog of War, Clash by Moonlight, and Assassination. All right, so... So let's see here. Um, so assassination strikes me as one that hmm, the interesting part of these scenarios is they're all quite similar. Um, I think having fog of war available would be good for my army um, just because it's uh there's uh there's terrain and stuff like that there's points for terrain which means that dad would have to split up his force in order to guard the back objective and try and go for the objectives objective on my side so i think that's favorable for me to have and then between clash by moonlight and assassination um there really isn't much difference, except that, can you remind me, Dad, um, how many points are there for breaking an assassination? Uh, okay, so I was just looking at Clash by Moonlight. Let me find assassination. It's a valid question. Uh, all right, so for assassination, you have um, one in three. One and three, and then Which Clash think, by Moonlight is three and five, right? Uh, let's see here. Clash by Moonlight is indeed three and five. Okay. So um, using that logic, 
I'd say it is more likely for me to break and have the opposing army remain unbroken just because of the skewed mashup um, of the army into the other army. Um, meaning that the army of the dead are very, very good against my models. I'm probably not going to kill a bunch of them. They're going to kill, kill a bunch of me. Um, so for that reason, I want to minimize breaking points as much as possible. So I'm going to veto Clash by Moonlight. All right. Um, so that I think probably was a wise choice. Um, so for the reasons you stated, I don't, I do not want to split up my army. Um, and I have a lot fewer figures to um, do stuff against. Uh, I think I am going to, um, I am going to veto Fog of War and we are going to play Assassination. So that's what I thought would happen, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. All right. So going back to assassination. All right. So, so for assassination, we have uh, in this particular scenario, we can deploy up to uh, halfway across the board. Um, and just for as far as victory point purposes, we each are going to uh, choose an assassin who cannot be the leader and a target who cannot be the leader, um, which is going to make uh, Evan's choice somewhat simple. Um, and uh, then... Uh, to be fair, your choice will be somewhat simple as well. One of my because... choices will also be simplified, yes. Um, and you get one victory point if you wound your target, three victory points if your assassin wounded the target, five victory points if you kill your target, and uh, seven victory points if your assassin killed the target. And you score, uh, you get one, one victory point for wounding the leader, two victory points for killing the leader, and then one victory point for... Breaking your opponent three if you are not broken. Um, so, uh, I, I think we we choose assassins and targets after deployment. That's what somebody has recently told me. That's not how I've done it in the past, but that's what somebody informed me is how it's supposed to be. Um, it is how it works, yes. All right. So, um, I think what we do then is we roll no, for I mean, an edge in deployment. Your, your leader is Aragorn, right? Yeah. So, you're going to be protecting... The king of the dead you're going to be killing one of my captains really doesn't matter which because their warbands are virtually identical yeah um, remind me how many captains you have i have two captains the only okay. thing that matters is um after deployment you're going to pick one which you feel is right. in a more advantageous spot basically right yeah so let's roll yeah. for board sides then all right i'm on a five i'm on a six um, go ahead so, then. So where do I want to go? Um, I think I am going to be on the uh, board side that is. Um, hmm, that's an interesting question.
think I'm actually going to go on the now I'm gonna stay all right I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the board side um that is toward the bottom okay well all right well then I am on the top more indeed um and I owe you a warband yes you do um so I think uh and Alistair, have you figured out how, how to draw here oh yeah yeah I see stuff appear we all can draw yeah okay so fair enough. wow let me see if i could remember how to draw let's see oh yeah sure the enough. annotate button yeah all right so i'm gonna go all right this looks like a nice dead light color um so uh what's gonna happen here is that um Aragorn's warband is going to deploy with um, the a line of dead here. It's not entirely clear um, how many can fit there, but to the extent that there's um, more dead than can fit there. I recommend picking a different color because that one really blends. It blends? All right. Hang on a second. Yeah, you blend. All right, how about this? That's better. All right. So I think actually what we're going to do is do a spot there, uh, a spot with a couple dead there with a little base base width here. And then to the extent that there's more dead, I'm going to put them here. Um, and uh, the idea here is that there's a line of dead. Uh, Aragorn's going to end up behind uh, these two guys here where he can kind of scoot into the, into so basically for those at home because i should be narrating this a little better um there is there is a on the right hand side of the board there is a building um i am anchoring my left uh, about near the middle of the board i'm going to anchor my left flank on the building i'm going to anchor my right flank on one of those um hedgerows that's kind of standing there and there's uh, going to be a group of dead on the left um probably three or four wide then a one base wide gap, so not big enough for Azag to be able to ride through. Then a couple of dead um, in front of uh, Aragorn, and Aragorn's going to be behind another one base with hole, and then probably another couple dead uh, on the other side. And uh, then somewhere in the backfield will be a rider of the dead. Nice. And that is my warband. <laughs> I want to comment real quick on that too, Matt. For those who are watching, Matt's doing a good strategy when it comes to having an infantry hero uh, and the opponent has a mounted hero. You always want to leave a infantry gap for you to charge, but for them not to charge. So I just want to say that. All right. So my first warband is going to be um, a hunter or a captain. Um, basically, I'm going to deploy in this area here um outside of six inches of dad's warband there because i don't want him charging me turn one because he's gonna walk right through me um and then my warg and my captain are just gonna be back here out of danger um yeah so that's my first warband deployed 
All right. And remind me, how many figures are back there? Um, that should be about So now that he's entirely deployed, I can react with my last two warbands. Um, so my initial plan going into this was to uh, hope that he deploys very aggressively and tries to push forward towards me. Um, and then I can work on get at, getting Azog around and killing his heroes. Um, however, in this case, he's played, he's deployed extremely defensively, um, basically using the building and the hedge there um to to protect all of his heroes and wedge his troops behind there um because i know that this uh, that my one warband that i've already deployed is fairly safe just because i'm outside of six inches um and presumably out of line of sight of those riders of the dead as well yeah um, i don't think they're i don't think they're in sight i'm nor, that warband's think... pretty safe on its own yeah nor do i think those riders probably would have the range to get in there Probably not as well. Um, so effectively, my plan now is to play for a draw or at least play to attempt to get him out of that uh, trench that he's put himself in. Um, and in order to do that, I'm going to deploy both of my warbands over here, all the way on the other side of the board. Um, and effectively, because he has no shooting and I have no shooting, I am basically saying this one warband on its own is going to run away and just try to escape as much as possible. Um, and you, it is your job to chase after me if you want anything more than a draw, because you have the combat advantage. You need to effectively use that 
in order to get a win out of this. Gotcha. All right. And it'll mean that I can possibly pull him out of position. Um, it'll slow down him breaking me. And if I have the chance, I can try and get Azog into either the King of the Dead or Aragorn if he ever leaves a spot open or makes a mistake, and I can try and get a win from there. Alrighty. Uh, so, well, why don't you um, just show where amongst that blog Azog it, blob Azog is, and where amongst that blob um, your other hunter or captain is? So, just to just to kind of narrate visually for the people at home. What we've ended up with is my entire army sitting in kind of the right center of the board in a somewhat defensive position, but right up, you know, a defensive position that's kind of right up on the uh, the mid line of the board. Um, Evan has countered with one warband that uh, I would guess is probably about eight, eight inches or so away from me, um, kind of covering a gap between a hedgerow and the same building that I'm anchoring on. Um, and then he has taken his entire rest of his army and put it all the way on the left-hand side of the board, up at the midpoint, uh, but all the way on the left-hand side of the board so that um, his, his force has been divided with one uh, one warband um, kind of facing off about eight inches away from me and the rest of his uh, army on the left-hand side. Probably a, a couple of feet away from the other warband. So Ev, if you want so, to just show me, show me where Azog, so Azog, Azog is going to be right up front because there's no reason for him not to be because you can't threaten him because all your warbands are deployed. Mm -hmm. And then the captain is going to be right in the middle, just in six inches of everybody um, in order to call a heroic march if he so desires. Gotcha. All righty. Interesting. So <laughs> how's the game going to go? All right. So I think based on this, well, all right. So we need to pick our, um, our targets. Yes. And our assassins. I have picked my target and my assassin. I have done the same. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Uh, you guys want to show us who they are now, but like, one of you guys put your face down or something? No, we need to we need to keep this as a surprise. I mean, Rainier, it's not like they had like <laughs> it's so many options to choose. We, from. we, we know no who idea. my yeah, we know who my assassin is. It's the King of the Dead. We know who Evan's target is. It's the King of the Dead. The only mm. question is which. I wonder which captain is he target? targeting. Huh. Is it is the one that's across the, the other end of the board, or <laughs> which could it be? Who knows? Is it the captain that's ten inches from me, or is it the captain that's two feet from me? Who could it be? <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah. Um, the real question is who uh, Evans' assassin is, but we'll find out, I guess. Uh, I could um, see. Shall we roll for priority? We should roll for priority. I get a four. A modest. I'm on three. a one, All right. which is actually quite good for me. It actually is quite good for you. Um. So, well, I would call heroic actions first. Yep. Um. So there is a big question about 
whether I call a heroic march or not. There Um, is indeed. which is a very interesting question. Um, and I think I am going to call a heroic march just because no matter what dad does, it'll give me more flexibility to be able to react to what he does. If he tries to go around the, um, the building in the other way, I can, I can react to that. Um, if he tries to just run up and charge me, I can run away or play more defensively. If he doesn't, I can react in a different way. So Azog and the captain over in the other corner, I think are totally fine, but the warband I've deployed nearer to the army of the dead, I am going to call a march with that captain. All right, fair enough. Um, and I obviously are going to call a march with Eric. Um, yeah. So with that done, I go first, and I don't think there's... So the only question here is, um, you know, how, how far nine inches would be? But uh, I think what I would be doing would be sending... Um, my my troops that are in the front are going to be heading forward and to the left as far as they can go and i'm just going to i'm going to make an assumption here that i have some ability to scoot around because it looks like there is a gap that's kind of more than a, a couple inches between the back end of this building that we're all pivoting around in the center of the board and your battle line so i'm going to try and scoot around it as best i can and i'm going to end up with a battle line that looks like this and probably curves up to you. And then my other three dollops of um, of dead would probably end up getting an inch from you or as close to that as nine inches would allow, probably something that looks like this. Um, and uh, we'd have Aragorn um, up here, kind of right behind this dollop. Uh, actually, no, we can't do that. Uh, I think Aragorn needs actually to be down here. So we're gonna we're gonna actually, you know, what we'll do we'll put yeah, King needs to be down there too. I'm just gonna scribble this out. King and Aragorn are gonna need to be kind of behind this battle line as far down as they can. And then um I'm going right. to instantly kill all of my warriors. I, I was trying to be helpful and just remove the crossed out Aragorn and in the process. <laughs> They're gone. Where are you? That was really easy that. for Matt. Well, that, no, that's I mean, equivalent they, they to like a six-year-old just bonking the table and everything is fine. <laughs> um yeah, so Aragorn's probably gonna end up kind of by the building here because what we need is we need to keep his six-inch zone because um my left-hand refused flank is going to head around the other side of the building, and it is going to end up here, looking somewhat like this, as long as they can stay within six inches of Aragorn, which I'm kind of assuming that they can. Um, and uh, the riders then, I think, are going to gallop up, and I think the riders are going to end up um, over here. Two riders. And so... Uh, all right. So what I've done basically is tried to get around Evans, the Evans one isolated warband as much as I can. Um, I've moved, uh, my, um, my left hand refused flank around the side of the building. So, uh, it's out there where, you know, Evan can try and jump on it if he wants. 
Um, but Aragorn and the king are sitting in the middle of this blob and they have means to to run out either between my two lines of, uh, of dead on the left-hand side if uh, Evan comes after me or if for some reason Evan decides he wants to try and jump me um, uh, on the right-hand side with his nearest exposed warband. And the riders are getting up kind of as close as they can to um, to Evan as well to try and maintain pressure on the uh on the the one isolated warband okay so this right. in the back can get erased yeah yeah you can just erase everything in the back there all righty okay evan you're up oh hang on it's one thing that got there is a group of dead right there just to so you can't come pouring through a hole All right, so for future reference, um, if you were me in this situation, you should have deployed your warband slightly farther forward. It would have still been out of six inches, but um, due to my poor drawing skills, Dad was able to wrap around my warband, um, <laughs> which is which is not something that uh, that I intended to happen. But uh, this is why I should go back to art school. Um, so the plan well, now basically is well once again my superior drafting skills have carried the day indeed um so i'm gonna call the march and i am just gonna go straight back through this hole right here and then i'm gonna end up with the captain back here and then i am going to use this section here to uh as sort of a choke point um to prevent dad from getting through um and i'm also staying out of six inches of his guys just just because why not and the captain's just going straight back over here azog is going to move his 10 and move up here uh no one's got charge range on him so there's no reason for me to be um conservative in that way um and then the rest of my models are just going to go over this way um, and just sort of sort of move towards that back left corner of the board and just use that as a defensible position. All right, so what Evan has done is heroically run away. Um, he has taken his isolated warband and taken it back and um, put his his hero behind a line of orcs that are defending a gap between two of these um, uh, useless hedgerows uh, that scat are apparently scattered about the British countryside uh, and used his army basically to fill in the giant gap that cows would otherwise have. I love how this Middle-earth board has just turned into Britain. Well, I mean... <laughs> We're just fighting in Britain now. Well, I mean, this is in Britain, isn't it? That's true. And I guess all <laughs> of their boards are just, are just the country of Britain. Yes, that's right. Which, to be fair, going to Articon, it definitely seems like that. Is Britain a country? I can never remember if it's a country or a nation. No. Or a commonwealth well, or whatever. Okay, we just offended a lot of people here. But 
Uh, Great Britain is the island with England, Scotland, and Wales on it. Um, so I don't think it's technically a country, but in this, I get, or it technically, I'm not, I'm not educated enough on this to, uh, what to is make it, that is distinction. Because right? United Kingdom. I mean, a, a, a kingdom is a country. Yeah, we're, we're all just ignorant. So, yeah. so Great Britain is the island. The United uh -huh. Kingdom includes um, Northern Ireland. So they're Ooh. not the same thing. All right. But, but all of it has weird disjointed hedgerows that do not actually succeed in keeping cattle from going anywhere. And roofless houses do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Evan just called a heroic retreat. Evan yep. called a heroic march. And what's going to happen next? Let's see what happens in priority. Oh, oh Evan, I, I do. I would like you to actually, uh, I, I need to know where your troops are. I know where Azog is on this, but where do, you, where do your troops end up? Um, six inches this way. So like over here, something like that. Okay, got it. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. Evan, that's right, Evan's I... going for a draw, right? So this is the time, Evan, where you say, I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, that's right. Evan, <laughs> say, so, so this is the time when you have serious stomach problems and you need to spend 30 <laughs> minutes in the bathroom. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. This, this, this is when you pull out your laxatives. Yeah. So, Al Alisher, do you want to clean up Evan's old? <laughs> yeah, where is the second captain? Oh, I have taken it all with me. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, Alex was just erasing stuff like nonstop. He's like, I don't even. Care. I'm like, you know what? These guys, they're not deploying well. I'm just gonna. I've revoked their moving yeah. privileges. He, he's playing five D chess. He already knows what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see where this captain's is. captain's still in the middle there. In the middle there. The yeah, nice little donut. Enough. Oh, my donut just died. I'm not even. Alex, sure. I didn't go after that donut. Went after the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, sure you've got one job. I'm tr I'm trying. <laughs> Gosh, dang it, Rob Jr. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so I think we're at priority for, for turn two. I'm on a two. Well, one, you win. All right. I have one priority. I, I am calling a march. Indeed he is. So, I did not want to win this priority, but I now have won this priority. So, I need to figure out what I want to do with my models. So he's calling a march, um, which means that he can't charge me if he moves the full nine, but if he chooses not to benefit from the march, he can still charge. So are we assuming how much distance are we assuming between your like isolated? group and his army well, like so, seven to eight inches something yeah, like that yeah the i think that's is you did it that's move. probably right okay so you did i would have had to have, i would have had to have stopped an inch away from him anyway yeah and he would have had to have moved somewhat less than his full nine because of where he put his captain Fair. um so I, yeah i'm assuming it's somewhere between seven and eight inches away okay, okay. So basically what I'm going to do is I'm not, not going to call any heroics. I don't need them this turn, I don't think. Um, and then I am going to put a string 
of Gundabad orcs with spears and shields. Um, ah, hmm. Gundabad orcs with spears and shields or hunter arcs. No, I'm going to put hunter arcs um, just sort of as a long string in between these trees here. I'm just going to leave them there. Um, and then my captain is going to retreat back to this position here um, to stay super safe. My uh, Azog is going to move back over to here. Actually, he's going to go not here. He is going to go right between the two gaps here just to be able to react to either side. And then the bulk of my army is going to move in this gap here and start flooding in. And my captain is going to be over here just to stay safe, making sure he's behind a line of guys. So basically I'm just defending these two gaps um, and I am waiting to see which way dad goes. All right, so let me figure this out. So um, this back here is, actually you probably can't see my cursor, but the 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 blob that's closest to the far edge of the board, that's, oh, okay, now that's your hunter or captain. Yes. All right, fair enough. Um, and uh, the blob in front of the building is Azog. All right, fair enough. Uh, all right, so, and then we've got we've got a skirmish. All right. So what Evan has done is Evan has kind of pulled his troops back. He still has a skirmish line of hunter orcs in uh, a gap between hedgerows, the one he was originally defending. So that's you know seven or eight inches away from me. And then he's got a a blob defending the uh, another gap between a building and a hedgerow um, further to my left, Evan's right. He's got Azog kind of lurking back behind those, and he's taken his hunter or captain and has kind of run it away. So I think the first thing that I do is um, I am going to take uh, my two Riders of the Dead, and I'm going to plunge them, because they're the two that are in, in range there. I'm going to plunge them in and try and hit two adjacent um, uh, hunter orcs. And then I'm going to follow up. Um, and, you know, I, I don't actually know. Um, so what was the intent of the skirmish line? How much, how much space is there between your hunter orcs, Ev? So there's less than a base width gap. Um, and obviously there's gun to bad spears behind them as well. Okay. But um, basi basically it's covering up as much space um, while still being able to have spear supports and get as many attacks as humanly possible. All right, fair enough. Um, and so there isn't enough space for me to actually penetrate through, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hit two of them. Um, and so we've got a rider here, a rider here. Um, Charging one guy or two guys? Well, I I suspect the way you have them arranged, there's no way I can put both on one guy, or else I'm going to end up in somebody else's control zone. Am I yeah. right about that? Um, yeah. So I I think I have to I have to pick on two of these singular guys, and then um, uh, I'm going to have Aragorn um, up pretty close to, as as close as I can to these two guys. 
King of the Dead will be. You're doing the cab, and then you're calling a with me with Aragorn. Yeah, and then I'm I'm doing a with me with Aragorn, and everybody else is you know going to kind of get up right in the face of Evan's skirmish line here. Um, with a couple gaps, um, basically probably on either side of the riders for Aragorn and the King to run through. Uh, and then um, I'm again going to refuse the flank over here with more double line of, of uh, dead. Um, and I'm going to make sure, obviously, well, I mean, Aragorn's kind of right there with the riders. Um, but uh, I'm going to make sure that Aragorn's banner effect is going to um, cover both of those riders so I have a banner. Um, all right. So that's where we end up. I mean, we could actually roll these combats to see what happens. Um, I don't think uh, it's going to matter overly much. Um, you, you're you going to kill one guy if you win. I'm going to kill your horse if I win. Um, that's pretty much what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so how about we roll priority this last turn, and then we can just sort of talk through how the game is going to go from there. Fair enough. All right, rolling priority. I'm on a six. Uh, well, although actually, I mean, part of it depends on part of it depends. Yeah, you know, we should run these run these combats because it's going to depend on um, if if I punch off if I'm able to punch a hole that I can skip through at this point. It may. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no happen. way you can do that because I've got spear supports behind all the guys. So there's going to be there's going to be yeah, nothing that's going to allow you to get models through. But there are heroic combats that could be done here. Well, next okay. turn. Next turn. All right. Next um, turn, possibly. All right. You know, let's roll this combo. We got plenty of time. Sure. Let's just roll one. Um, all right. So let's do arbitrarily, we'll do the right one first. Mm -hmm. I have a five without my banner. Uh, I got a four highest. All right. Um, so I will win that. And just for giggles, let's see what happens. Yeah, he's dead. Uh, and then on the other side, I have a five without my banner and a six with my banner. I rolled a six as well. We have a roll off. All right. Survey says I had priority. No, Evan, to... has Evan has it. All right. Well, all right. I'm going to roll it. You roll it because I, I won good. Goes to evil. Goes to evil. All right. See if you kill the horse. Um. So I'm gonna, just going to do this one at a time. Uh, no... No, dead. All right. And I survived. I struck the guy because I rolled a six. Oh, well. Um, By the way, I rolled right next to my microphone, so I hope for our listeners that that wasn't too sonically unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right, so let's roll priority one last time and see what happens. Yeah. I get a two. I'm on a three. All right. I call a heroic move with Aragorn. Mm hmm do I care about countering is the real question. Um, and, well, first things first, my captain on the left side is going to call a heroic march um, because I want to reposition my models. Mm -hmm. um, Azog could call a heroic move. He could affect some guys, not necessarily all of them. Um, but in this case, um, he's killed one model, so he can stick guys in that gap. 
Um, and then I can just reinforce with spears and stuff like that um, and stop the advance. So I'm going to let him go. All right. Um, so forward I go. Um, and what's going to end up happening here is that um, Aragorn and the King of the Dead probably are going to, um, well, I don't know. I think I'm just I'm just going in, and you know, since you since you haven't left a base with between figures, um, I'm going to be putting the King of the Dead probably on, um, well, on one of the guys that has a spear support behind, back him up with a, uh, um, back him up with a spear, um, and Aragorn will probably go in next to him. Um, and uh, then, you know, the rest of my dead are just going to kind of flood into your front line. And I suspect I because of the way you have positioned, I'm going to be getting a bunch of, um, well, I'm going to be getting at least some two-on-ones. And I think at least one of those two-on-ones will be in support of the King of the Dead. So it's going to be the King of the Dead and another guy and two spears against um, one hunter orc. Um, and then, you know, Aragorn and a guy behind him on probably Gundabads and um, probably a pair of Gundabads. And then the rest of the guys are just going to gang up and get as many overlaps as I can, given your kind of skirmish order on the rest of your front line there. And then for the rest of the guys, I'm just going to um, continue to um, uh, continue to hold, uh, to refuse the plank. And I think uh and I guess probably one of my rider, yeah, you know, my rider is going to gang up on a, on a guy too, um, probably, on on another one where there's enough space so that I can get my rider and uh, a file of dead guys uh, on one um, on an orc. Actually, no, there's no there's no um, there's no benefit to that because I can probably use my rider's just going to pull back and reserve. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just going to so... get a gang up on um, guys in the front. So I assume, I'm just gonna... I assume based on the way this kind of came out that there's there's really no way Azog can get in at this point. Because mm. oh. you've got a wall of guys. And he, and he shouldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so basically the game plan from this point is the guy, these guys in this choke point here are going to hold off as long as possible, um, which is going to be probably, I'd say at least two turns, maybe three if I'm lucky. Um the, this captain is going to go, the captain in the back is going to go around to the other side of the building. Um, this contingent here is going to march back in this choke point here with the other captain going here. Um, Azog is going to um, pop into uh, this building here uh, because I have fell sight, so I can charge without line of sight. So it'll, it'll allow me can, to escape. Can he, he fit through that door? Are, are, okay, we can argue this if you want. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure that his because doesn't he have doesn't he have a 50 mil base with that warg? Now I'm fairly sure in the rules it says if he can reasonably fit through a doorway despite right. the base, he can fit through. All right, fine, we'll let him and, go in there. And just to let you know, um, listeners at home, if your opponent is being reasonably rude, like my father is, uh, <laughs> if you were in this situation and that's what happened, you could just put him back here and get functionally the same result. Yeah, I think but, you probably could. 
No, no, put put him in the house. I like him in the house. <laughs> All right, Azog is going to live in his house. Um, so, and basically the plan from here is um, the, the two captains are going to keep staying back here, um, probably move more towards this tree. Uh, I'm going to to wait it out with my guys in this choke point here. Once dad beats through this section here, um, I'm probably just going to have moved to about this position here with all of my guys, um, assuming that we get two turns. Um, at that point, he's going to probably, well, what would you do? at that point so two turns have passed you've beaten through all of my guys yeah I, I yeah i don't i don't think those guys are gonna last more than than two turns i've kind of seen especially given that i've got a bunch of outnumberings here i've seen how quickly these these orcs die um i actually played a i played a king of the dead list against um mordor a couple weeks ago and was to be fair to i am much more likely to win the fights than mordor is but your point uh, well, down. no, I mean, because I was I was fighting the 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 Numenorians in front, so he yeah. had a fight value advantage, and uh, I mean, his rolling was was somewhat subpar, but the 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 dead just went through his battle line like a hot knife through butter. Um, um, what's the logic behind putting the King of the Dead in combat right now? Like, I mean, it's not probable, but like, what if he now nah, he just he just kills guys. You don't think and, he'll get there's no chance he gets wounded. No, nah, he's he he's got he's got might, he's got another file there. So it's five dice with a higher fight value and a banner. Okay. And Isn't might have, behind his. Does he have two fate or three fate? Uh three. he has three. So and okay. you know, he, so even if he takes fine. one. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um and it the higher fight value, the higher fight value really helps the dead. Fair enough. Um uh that was that was one of the things I discovered from that last game. Um, so I'm going to cut through them. What I'm actually going to do, if I can pull this off, and I may have to do a heroic move to pull this off, is I am going to position dead at either of the two doors of the house that uh, Azog is in, and I'm going to defend those doorways against Azog. So that is absolutely never going to happen. You just I... don't have enough turns for that. There is absolutely no way. Well, because depends, what's going to happen is he... you're not... Aragorn is not going to heroic combat through because the two fell wargs are going to stop him. And then next turn afterwards, if you don't do anything stupid with your guys, Azog's just going to run outside of the house and well, go back right. with the army. That 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 may be fine, but I mean, if, if he stays in that house, I'm just going to I'm going to pin him in that house. I mean, you're right. You will have if he doesn't want to stay in that house, he can run out. The plan and was back. not to keep Azog in his house as much as he loves it. All right. Um, the plan is put him in there temporarily just in case you try and push some models through recklessly. And yeah. then if during that first turn you don't do that, um, get him out of there. Yeah. Well, I mean, after that, I just, um, I basically go into orcs and I just start killing orcs. And if if you leave a gap um, that Azog can try and go through, I'm going to just put some some more dead there and lap around and let him go through. <laughs> What I, I I mean I think the plan is I kill I kill the guys that I'm fighting now which is how many how many were in that warband how many fifteen uh uh 13, thirteen minus one down to twelve twelve all right so I kill those twelve and then probably what I do is I go straight into 
these guys next. Seeing as those guys are no longer there and they're over here, um, it's going to be slightly harder to do. Um, well, I mean, uh, eventually I'll get to some of them, and I'm just going to. I mean, I, I'm once I finish these guys off, I'm going to start heading into your um, into the rest of your army and try and kill them. So, and reasonably speaking, how long, how much time has gone by at this point in the game? Well, Evan's gone to the bathroom. Evan, yeah. Uh, how many times has Evan gone to the bathroom? <laughs> Evan's take Evan Evan has taken up smoking and gone outside. Makes to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a diabetic. So, so basically, the plan from this point, now that my army is together, is I am just going to call heroic marches for the rest of the game, because I have nine might left to call heroic marches, um, and whichever way he goes, I'm going to go the other way. Um, I have this house. Uh, in between us at this point, I assume after he kills these orcs, he's going to move up to like here-ish, something like that next turn. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to have Heroic March that turn. I'm going to move over to here. Um, and then uh, I can basically march off this way. Um, and he's going to have to chase me over this way. And it's going to take him quite a few turns to eventually catch me. He'll probably catch me over here i'd say something like that um and uh, even it, then it's it's going to depend on what how the priority roles come out um because i i suspect i can get within six inches of some of your guys at some point and i mean i'm going to be calling heroic moves at that point too um and yeah because at this point you've spent a mite on each of your captains for marches yeah. So you are down to eight. And eight might left. Like, how fast are these turns going to be good? Because, like, you can run around the board, but, like, usually you've lost thir 12. At this point, you've lost 12 of your, you had 38 models? 39. 39 models total to begin with. So you're down. Like, aren't the turns just going to get going pretty fast and eventually you run out of might or you don't think so? So I, I understand people's logic with thinking that dad is going to be more likely to win, which is fair. Um, as someone who has played in this situation before, I am entirely confident that I can draw this game um, with the the plan I have here. Um, but if if need be, it's, it's going to be harder for him to catch me. Um, just just because I can spread models out, I can take up space. Um, and whenever he does catch me, he has to make a big engage. And then I can just heroic march with the rest of my guys and get out. Um, so I think it is, it is definitely possible that he breaks me in time. Is it extremely likely? I don't think so. Well, I mean, he's got, he needs 20. He's going to get 12. We're assuming he's going to get 12. So yeah, then I just need eight more. Yeah, and my, my only thing is too like Matt can technically heroic combat, which would if, if you left some guys to what's the word, uh stop him, like some scatter guys, he just heroic combat off of them and make he his could heroic combat his hero through, and then I could charge that hero and kill it with Azog. Yeah. Um so he, I mean, he can't true. overextend. Um I'm just trying to think it's so I like in my mind, I mean, before you started moving the extra stuff, like so Matt has engaged the clump of 12 you're over there 
like that seems like reasonably that would have taken like 45 to 50 minutes of two hours. This is like including setup time, like deployment. I think it would be around 50 minutes. So now he needs, he has an hour and 10 minutes ish to kill eight models to win the game. Yeah. I've also got one calf too. Um, and he has another calf that he might not hold a lot. But I mean, even if he hold, he like, you know, sacrifices that model to hold two more models, like then he just needs six more. And I actually, with, with Aragorn, Aragorn can, I mean, especially if I can get like Aragorn and like a couple other guys on one guy, Aragorn can constantly grow up combat because even if Azok turns and goes after him, um, then uh, he's not going to be that far from the support and he can always heroic defense. So, yeah, I mean, Aragorn, Aragorn can take a turn of Azog if he needs to, especially if what it ends up doing is draws Azog back into the fight. Because once Azog commits, Evan, the rest of Evan's army has to commit. Um, or else Azog's, you know, if, if I end up getting priority the turn after Azog tries to kill Aragorn, assuming Aragorn survives, um, and I win that move off, um, Azog can be a you know, world of hurt. But, but anyway, he he might get away. I mean, I, I I think I like my chances of getting another eight models before this uh, runs out. But um, uh, no way to tell. Um. So, I think it seems pretty clear the way people are going to vote on this. Um, oh, I'm and... salty now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think it's definitely more likely that he gets me than uh I'm able to keep the draw. Um I think let's see. Um he catches me there. Yeah, I I think it'll be an interesting game for him to try and win. Uh it's definitely possible. Um, he does have the free marches, which are good. Um, yeah, so it really depends on how quickly everything shaped out. Um, but yeah. All righty. Well, all right. Well, for the record, Alisher, what's your vote? I mean, I'm going to, I'd vote for the dead and I'm not saying that I don't think a draw is possible, but it's a, like, I see the board as it's set is a draw skewing towards loss as opposed to a solid draw or like a possibility of winning. Like at this point, a draw is the best case scenario. And I just think with the amount of time theoretically that would be left, it's skewing towards a loss. All right. Rainier. Yeah, I <clears throat> I think I, I see your uh, thought, Evan, and like and I understand like the heroic marches and getting away and stuff and the bathroom breaks and then like your 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 mom like someone calling you. By the way, for the record, <laughs> I won't I won't be doing this in the game, and everyone who's listening should not be doing this either. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> it's not reasonable. Well, that's what I'm to like I know that you wouldn't be doing during that. a game. Yeah, well, I know well, that you wouldn't be doing that. So it's like. If you were to adopt the strategy of, oh, I'm going to move each mm -hmm. of my remaining models one at it. Like if you were really to like, but you're not going to do that. 
because that's not your play style. And yeah, you're not you, you, actually you, 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 slow you would slow the game down based on your strategy, but I don't think you'd do it mechanically in a way to manipulate the game. So, but that said, you're you're fighting, which I think confidently, I would actually do it maybe 65 to 35, 65% in favor of a draw. Um, it's doable and I can see you doing it, but you're, you're going for a draw and Matt's chasing a win. So like, just for that reason, I'm going to skew to Matt and the Cav two can really do well because if he throws a Cav into your guy, and let's say even if your guy kills the Cav or stops the Cav, then just next turn an Aragorn would be in that guy's face or combating, doing the maneuver and stuff. And I think last round or last two rounds, Matt would be willing to just use all his might to get those eight kills. And I think it's kind of possible, 35% chance. So I, for that reason, I'm going towards Matt. All right. Okay. Fair enough. All right. And Evan, any last comments? Um yes. Uh so I think this game would have been a lot easier for me if I had deployed that captain's warband slightly farther back. I'd say in the position it is when it died um originally. Uh, because I knew that dad's warband was over here, I could have put my warband here and basically uh, been much more uh, reactive. The hope was if I put my warband there, um, he he goes very aggressive and puts the king of the dead over here. Um, which, by the way, uh, for those of you listening via audio, is on the other side of the building that he originally deployed on. Um and then the plan was just put the rest of the army facing that one warband and try and get into the King of the Dead. Um, but I think in retrospect, uh, the game would have been a lot easier for me to draw if I had just deployed back um, at that uh, defensive position I ended that uh, warband at. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think because there, there was no way I was going to put the King of the Dead's warband any place other than next to Aragorn, um, just for that that reason. I mean, I think your that initial warband with the Hunter or Captain that you had in the center, they're kind of quasi squaring off with me. You could have just put that one all the way over on the left where Azog was, and it, you know, if anything was going to draw, I mean. That would have had the same. If I was going to be aggressive and put the Herald of the Dead somewhere, I would have put him over there facing him. Um, not that I actually would have done that, but if I didn't and I put my Herald of the Dead back by Aragorn, then you could just have your entire army basically a foot and a half to two feet away from mine and just made it really hard for me to chase you down. Um, and that would have, you know, soaked up more time if you're kind of playing for the draw. Um, I mean, the, the other option would have been to uh, to not play for the draw. And, you know, obviously this would have been the riskier option because we all know. So the big issue here with when these two armies fight is um, given that everything I have causes terror except Aragorn and, um, and with the Herald of the Dead, there's a minus one on the terror check and everything Evan has is basically going to be either Courage 1 or Courage 2. It's really hard for him to charge me. Um, I mean, the other thing you could have done 
is basically position the rest of your army so as to try and box me and I'll try and I'm going to draw where this is. So, you know, basically on the other side of this, this hedgerow, um, actually that's not really a hedgerow, but, you know, basically covering that gap. Um, so for those looking at home, uh, you know, basically at, when we set up, I had deployed my original army in a nice defensive position. Evan had taken a nice defensive position, um, uh, preventing me from kind of moving into the center of the board from there. And another alternative to, to basically playing for the draw would have been for Evan to take the rest of his army and basically put in it in a position on my opposite flank. So that if I advance, basically if I advance forward, whichever way I advance forward uh, to threaten, you know, half of his 50% larger army, um, the other half of his 50% larger army can then fall in behind me and hopefully get it um, Aragorn and the King of the Dead. Um, and that that kind of, it, it it gives a dilemma to me because, I mean, I have to advance because I have to do something. Um, and if I advance into that gap between your two um, flanking forces, I have, to, I have to expose my butt somewhere because I don't have enough figures Um I don't have enough figures basically to cover it all. Um, but on the other hand, that presupposes that Evan can roll enough terror checks to actually get in and do some damage, as opposed to me just kind of mooning him as I go after one half of Evan's army and just trust to failed courage checks to protect to protect my rear. Um, but uh, but anyway, I mean, I don't know if at the end of the day that would have proved a better strategy, but it's an alternative strategy. This is a, I think, tough scenario pool. For... Oh, yeah. F Fog of War is the scenario that he wanted, and obviously I was going to be too. Yeah. These two scenarios are both bad for him in this Yeah. Matchup. I mean, when you rolled six as a pool, I mean, you, so first of all, this is meant to be a, an unfavorable matchup, and then we're talking about a relatively unfavorable pool. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't make it easy. Supposed to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Un unfortunately, I think Dad's strategy, the one that he just suggested, um, is sort of what you have to do, especially if you're trying to, if you're like on, you know, table one, table two, or something like that, and you're trying to podium in a tournament, and you know that if you draw, you're not going to podium, right? If you need the win, then. You just try and get in surround and hope that your dice gods, that the dice gods smile on you and you pass a lot of courage tests and kill a lot of army of the dead. Um, unfortunately, that is a, the dice are very stacked against you in that particular situation. But that is definitely an option. Um, so, Ideally, what you would do in this situation is that you would split your entire army up and just scatter it across the board and just play super skirmishy. The problem with that is most likely one of your captains is going to get um, exposed uh, and then uh, the army of the dead player uh, will either have a chance at charging them or just be flat able to charge them off of a heroic combat or something like that and then get the win that way. 
So you can't play with that scattered deployment. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. effectively I mean the advice is play my strategy, but play even more defensive. Um, when you're going for a draw, just, just go for a draw. Don't try and, uh, don't try and re rely on your opponent making a big mistake because that could lose your draw. Yeah. I also would, you know, having, having seen this happen recently, I would also caution against a skirmishing strategy against the dead um, because to the extent that an orc battle line has any, basically any hope of beating the dead, even with a significant numerical advantage, it needs, it needs to be in a shield wall because once the dead get into a position where the, the skirmishing strategy is not supposed to beat the dead, the skirmishing strategy is supposed to minimize the casualties. Well, yeah, you, you just ha you have to be yeah possible. you have to be a little careful about how you do that, um, given the endless supply of heroic marches and heroic moves that um, this army has. Because you can the the individual the individual guys will just get swallowed alive by this army as soon as the army catches up to them. So you just have to you have to manage kind of how many you expend as roadblocks. Um, all right, but but anyway, to my to my point, because I think this is a broader point. Um, if if you are playing against the dead and you are playing orcs, you need if you are going to fight and you you don't necessarily need to, as Evan has showed in this game. If you are going to fight, um, you need to do it in a shield wall because if you put yourself in a position where like two or three files of dead are um, going against one of your figures, th those figures would just die. Um, if you want to, if you want to hope of have a hope of actually killing the dead, um, you need to have like a file of of two guys fighting a file of two guys, and then hopefully have more guys in an open flank that you can lap around and try and win some courage checks and get into the second rank and trap some of the dead because that's when you can actually kill them is when they're trapped. So, all right. I think we can probably take this map down and go on to our list review. Okay. All right. So, uh, so I'm going to put up a list. Let's do that. All right. So we have here a list from a THG, uh, THGS mask. Um, and uh, he's saying that uh, this is probably one of the best ways to run a great beast of Gorgoroth. Um, and uh, five, this is, a, I believe, a 500-point list. He says it's uh, just the right amount to avoid too many compelling wizards, which is definitely something you want to avoid when you have a great beast, beast of Gorgoroth. Um, and uh, he also says, I know Goroth is a weird pick. Spoiler, this list will have Goroth in it. Um, it's... Just like he's still a fight five striking guy with a two wound modifier who's very hard to kill. And he certainly is all that um, for only 80 points. And he is nearly unkillable when surrounded by troops uh, and can come out and assassinate targets in exposed positions once you've broken up your enemy with impacts, bows, fireballs, and randoms. Uh So let's, um, let's take a look at this. So we've got Warband 1, uh, who is Goroth Captain the Moranin. With him, he has five Moranin Orcs with shield, uh, five Moranin Orcs with shield and spear, 
and one more Ananarch with shield and banner, but no spear, apparently. Uh, Warband number two, we have Cardoosh the Firecaller, and with him, he has uh, five orcs with shield, um, five orcs with uh, shield and spear, and then one Mordor orc with shield and spear. And then we have a Great Beast of Gorgoroth, who I suspect is going to be somewhat near Cardoosh so that Cardoosh can slowly consume the uh, archers on its back uh, in order to restore his will. So he has six might, 34 models. Um, so thoughts on this list? We don't have a volunteer. I'm going to call on somebody. I like it. Um, I think I, I agree with the assessment that at 500 points, it's less likely to have two you can fit a Wraith in. I mean, the Wish King is good at just about any points level, so you definitely have to be considerate of that. But 500 is probably straining it for Gandalf or Saruman. Um, maybe Radagast, but I think even that may be a stretch, given that you'd have to have an Awkward Alliance to make that work. Um, I like 34 models is really solid at 500. Six Might's fine. I like the... Is that six might counting the great beasts, Captain? Uh, I believe yeah. so. Goroth has three, Cardoosh uh, has two, and the great beast has one. So then that's oh, kind no, of. I'm sorry, it's two and one. Cardoosh has one, and the great beast has two, right? Yeah. So then that's kind of a little light on might, but I don't know that. I don't think you're going to get penalized too heavily for that. Um. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good. I mean, of course, there are the small little things of like. It never hurts to throw in a few black Numenorians. I don't see any. So like there, there's never a reason why, you know, and a list like this. I know I mean Rainier probably can talk on this. Like you even throw four usually with your Corsairs, right? Just to have them. Different yeah, circumstance. Yeah. But like it, it, it can do one of those things because like you you have the numbers, which is pretty good. You're gonna play the scenario as well, because you have like models all over the place in D D6. The black Numenori sprinkled here and there would add just terror here and there. Um, you'd still have the D6 and you still have the strength for like all that branded shield wall. But yeah, like Alistair is probably going to say, it would just like stop um, another horde coming against you. And then you get to choose the fights. Yeah. Um, remind me, does does Cardish have a spear? No. Yes. I don't think no. so. Oh. I think he's got a staff. You're probably right. I'll pull it. I don't. Out. I don't have the book on me, but um, I yeah. think he's just got a staff. Um, yeah, I, I've got it. Over. Does somebody no, have a hand? No, he, he has. has a, he has a spear. Okay, so I would make one tweak to this, which is take uh one of the spears off of, in Cardish's warband, take one of the spears off of this spear shield, uh, Moranin. Give the give the banner a spear in Goroth's warband, um, and uh, that way you end up with two warbands where you have six guys who are fighting in, fighting in front and six guys with spear behind. And Cardouche is one of the guys fighting with spear behind, um, and uh, and you have you know six other guys. I actually. I, I'm not sure you you need or want the Numenorians in this list, frankly, because um, you don't have you don't have the minus one terror bubble from a, from a wraith to back it up, um, and uh, you know you may as well just go with more 
strength Here, for it. Here's, you've, here's you've, my got, you've got Fury, so you don't need the higher fight value. So I, I don't understand an aspect of this, which is um, with War Beast, doesn't the commander, doesn't the beast automatically pass courage tests? Yeah, it does. So why do you need fury within range of them? Because he's he's talking about you, getting fury on the orc commander. Why why is that necessary? Oh, you you don't. Well, I mean, because the war beast does it also doesn't charge people. It 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 moves it into could people. Could be fell light. Me, I'm all. Well, no, no. He. I think it. I think it automatically passes. Right. I don't think you can fell light a war beast. Don't quote me on this because I don't I usually can, take war it's beasts. It's not a chariot, and the way the reason why you don't have to roll a courage test. Is because you're not actually charging, it, but you right, still, just it just I seemed, the rule book. Hang on. it just seems odd to want um somebody to get fury on the orc leader um and obviously we're, we're checking the rule book to make sure but I was always under the impression that um basically almost all courage tests are auto passed um but. Maybe I'm completely wrong in that sense. We'll find um, out. And I think, I think if it is the case that all courage tests are auto passed and there's no need for Cardouche, it may be an interesting option to swap Cardouche ah. for a basic wraith. Um, so, and then take the Black Numenorans. So what do we got, done? So it automatically passes all courage tests for being broken. Okay. But it does not okay. automatically pass so courage tests for Fell Light, for example. So specifically for Fell Light is the reason, is the one and only reason you want Cardouche. Well, I mean, you also want Cardouche so that your Fury... Well, I mean specifically for the Great Beast tests. of Gorgoroth. Um, you you won't be worried about that if you take Black Numenorians and then Cardouche becomes less useful. Because I think the other option you can do is drop Cardouche, take a basic Wraith, and then take those Black Numenorians, which is going to reduce your numbers by a slight amount. Um, but it does give you that terror line, which I think is very good at 500 points because there's not a lot of high courage and auto-pass courage in those armies. Um, well, but, but if but, if you are concerned about fell light, then you can keep Cardouche. Yeah, That's fine. I mean, the, the other thing is that I mean, Cardouche is part of the gimmick, right? Because he uses the guys on the back of the fell beast as fuel. Um, and you know that that that's part of the gimmick of the army is the endless supply of fireballs that uh, Cardouche gets because of the guys on the back of the great beast. Hmm. That that's fair enough, I guess. Um. That, that is an interesting synergy. Um, I don't know. I guess part of the reason you take the Great Beast is that it's so hard to break you without killing the Great Beast. Um, and using Cardouche to kill guys on top of the Great Beast makes it easier to break you. Um, but that that is an interesting synergy. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's the rationale behind it, is he's got his fury-driven Moran and Orc line, um, and then he's got Cardus just kind of sitting in the back, um, fireballing heroes off of horses and, you know, key figures that need to die and, and stuff like that. And, I mean, you don't have to kill, like, everybody on the back of the Great Beast, um, but 
you know, he can kill as many of them as, as need be. So I, I think part of the problem is I'm trying to find slash add another dimension to this list. Um, and I think the points are too low to do that. And that's why, because that's why I'm not sure 500 points is necessarily the best points value to take the great beast. Cause I find that the great beast works well when you have basically a full army and then just an additional great beast there just taking up space. Um, and often you only need one magic user to shut down the great beast, right? Um, because the, the captain's got one will, that one will is going to get burnt, and then it, the great beast is going to be doing nothing for the rest of the game. Um, the, and... The, the other risk that you have with the Great Beast, because it's, it's got that big base, all you need is one guy who's got, um, what's the Great Beast fight value? Is it four? Yeah. Yeah, one guy with, you know, one hero with more than fight four to go into it with a bunch of his friends. Um, and the Great Beast can, can die quickly. And even at 500 points, you're probably going to have a hero running around with, with fight five. And I mean, one of the counters to that, and this the Wraith can help you with this, is, you know, if the Wraith's in there, you know, transfixing that hero so he, he doesn't come in, or, um, you know, or if he needs to um, uh, channel transfixing him so that his fight value goes down. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, there there's risks either way. I mean, Cardus can also fireball that guy off the horse um, and, and try so I think a, a good design of the Great Beast, which is sort of a philosophy I'm I'm thinking about more is, uh, and we'll talk about this in our later uh, Dutch uh, system open review uh, if we get around to that. Did you play um, Great is, Beast in the in the open? Oh, you did. Uh, Kevin did. Yeah, he came I, third. Yeah, I mean, um, well, did did you play him? I can't remember if you played yeah, Kevin or not. Did I did play him. Um, and what was important about that was he had his 500-point Easterling army, and then he just had a great beast allied in. And basically what that meant is he had this great beast, which was a big threat, um, but also he had an Easterling army, right? And even if the great beast, even if I had to spend like a bunch of resources to take out the great beast. Um, he had a strong army that could survive without the great beast. And this army strikes me as an army that absolutely will not be able to survive if the opponent has any caster whatsoever or anything that can just take down the great beast I mean, really? in the first place. I mean, so, so keep in mind, this is 500 points and he has got a 12 wide defense six Moranin no. or shield. You, you clear you, you like Moranin's a lot more than I do, but that that's not going to work out. It, that's yeah. not enough models to, especially at, if you're taking Moranin's at, at 500, at 500 points where, I mean, cause something, something has to be spending its time stopping the great beast. Um, yeah. and and you know, even if you have a caster, and even if the caster, you know, is spending all of his time and getting off all of the spells on the the great beast, I mean, that's that's a hundred and something point caster that's 
basically spending its entire time dealing with the great beast, especially in a situation where nine guys in the back of the great beast are still shooting. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I think, I think, I think at 500 points with stuff dedicated to go after the great beast, I think a, a fury driven Moran and shield wall um, could be a little scary to, to deal with, but. I mean, it's it's certainly going to go go through a Rohan shield wall pretty quickly. Most things do. Um, yeah. I mean, it's probably going to go through a Gondor shield wall pretty like, pretty quickly. Maybe at the highest levels of optimization, it's not. But like generally speaking, I think this like this is definitely like a B B plus list. I would say for sure. That's just me. Like I, I've played against Great Beasts. I, I think I played once with a Great Beast myself. Um, I would part, part of part of my concern. Sorry to interrupt. Um, part of my concern is. So, I guess the question. Oh, I think I think I know why he has Cardouche. Do does Cardouche work with the um, with um the courage test to stampede or no? um because it is it no, the commander isn't it the beast taking the courage test and the beast uses the commander's courage or is the commander I, taking I, I, the courage I don't check know, i don't know the because that's that. extremely I think, important I, if, I think actually they use the courage of the well they may use the courage of the commander but it may be the beast that's taking it but let's let's see because my my entire argument changes if the great beast auto pass stampedes checks um but if it doesn't i can just throw a guy in there wound the beast once because it's fight four, right? And then it's just going to stampede through all the Moranans. Um, but if it auto-passed the stampede test because of Cardouche, then that changes everything. All right. So what it says is the model must take a courage test using the courage value of the model controlling it. Um, and the commander may use their might and will to improve the result of the courage test. So I think it is the, it is the great beast that takes it. Okay, so... Wouldn't auto pass courage test? Would not, not auto pass courage test. Okay. I mean, hmm. at these like thirty four models is gonna out in my mind out or out numbers most lists. I mean, the commander is courage five hmm. with the army. Though, though remember, thirty four models. Um, eleven of those, I think, ten of those maybe are on the great beast. Do they um, count and of course they're purposes, shooting. Um, they do count for the for the purposes of breakpoints. They're just not actively they fighting. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you've you've got a twenty, you got a twenty four model shield wall. So you got a twelve model wide shield wall. But I feel like that's not that doesn't sound like only to your point, Evan, of like Kevin having a five hundred point Easterling army and then the Great Beast, like twenty four odd like orcs or moran and orcs is not a bad core 350 yeah. point army that's like yeah that's that's fine i mean it's i mean you, you put a you put a terrain piece or a building on one side of it you put a great beast on the other side of it i mean only um, one of those orcs is a regular orc it's not right. like it's a moran in front line and then a bunch of orcs behind it right it's it's an entirely defense six it's an entirely defense six strength for 
battle line. I'm, I'm just going from my perspective of if I was playing a 500 point army and I played up against this, I would not feel threatened in any way. Um, unless I specifically um, played in a way that allowed the great beast to get like a ludicrous trample off on me because any hero stops the great beast, right? Um, you can that's just, just use a hero as a roadblock. Like that's just um, the problem that they face in general though. Yeah, that's right. Like of if yeah, like and, your motivation- and That's, that's my concern, right? Beast. Because the great beast is such a large portion of this army that sure, um, the, the rest of the army is decent, but if you're if you're just using other heroes to to stop the great beast, um, generally you are going to have the resources to be able to take out those Moran and orcs either with a superior shield wall or an extremely strong hero that can just walk through them without them being able to do anything to you. Um, I'm I'm again I'm not saying that this list is bad i just think that the points level is slightly too low for what i would be comfortable with running the great beast it's it's too large of a portion of the army for for me to be comfortable taking something like this to a tournament and i think it's going to do fine um in it's going to do fine in a lot of games um but I wouldn't see this getting third place like the 650 point list with Easterlings and the Great Beast did at the the Netherlands system open. That that's all I'm saying. And I mean, you beat that list though. I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this this is I think a this is I think a decent way. This is a this is a very good way to run a great beast at 500 points. I I understand the concern about running a great beast at 500 points. Um I, I am completely agreed with you. Running a great beast at 500 points, I think either this or dropping Cardouche and taking a Wraith and then taking Black Numenorians in front, I think those are the two ways of running a great beast at this point's level. I think I think that's probably fair, but you know, look, you could end up in a situation in a series of matchups where, like, the your opponents just don't have a good answer to the great beast at five hundred points, and um, you know, you you would I think then have a have a good series of games. I think it's important for us to discuss the fact that all four of us really don't play a lot of 500 point games. That is fair. So we don't have a great perspective on what, what the meta is at 500 points. Cause maybe the meta is that a lot of people take a big bruiser hero and then just spam the rest with troops. And I think that would be a decent matchup against this. Um, yeah. It may just be someone takes a horde in which I think the great beast is just going to, you know, just walk through the horde and just kill through all the guys. Um, so um, give it a try, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, now, yeah, if, th if there's a 500 point tournament going on near you, take it there, see how it does and let us know. All right. 
Sounds good. Because we we don't know. <laughs> yep. All right. So this this episode may or may not be out by the new year. Um, if it if this episode comes out after the new year, happy new year to everybody. Um, if it comes out before the new year, happy impending new year to everybody. Um, but uh, in any case, um, keep sending your lists in. We'll keep reviewing them. And uh, we'll be back with some new episodes. There may, just to warn people, there may be a gap after this episode for a while um, because I've got to go and be a lawyer for a while and it's going to limit uh, my organizational abilities here. But um, we'll see how things go and we will see you again eventually. Mm -hmm.